0: what is your spouse's life goal what are your spouse's dreams for life if you don't know it'll make a great date night
1: welcome to beyond the dollar a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being
2: i'm sarah lee kane founder of high-fiving dollars
1: and i'm garrett philbin the founder of be awesome not broke
2: As money coaches, we want to give you space to explore your relationship with money, the guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear. No topic is taboo.
1: In this episode, we sit down with Andy Hill to talk about how couples can get on the same page when it comes to their finances. We chat about how fights about money aren't really about money, how to communicate with your partner so neither feels like it's an attack, and the mindset strategies you both need when it comes to accomplishing big financial goals. We also talk about how communication and decision making as a couple may change when kids enter the picture.
2: Andy Hill is the host of the Marriage, Kids and Money podcast, which focuses on helping young families build wealth. The podcast was nominated as Best New Personal Finance Podcast by the Plutus Awards in 2017. Trusted as a personal finance influencer by brands such as Quicken Loans, Tomorrow and Credit Sesame. Andy's message of family financial empowerment has resonated with listeners, readers, and viewers across the U.S. When he's not talking money, Andy enjoys wrestling with his two kids and singing 80s karaoke with his wife.
1: To find resources we shared in this episode, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co.
2: Get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Welcome, Andy, to Beyond the Dollar.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Well, uh, we really appreciate it, and how open and willing you are to talk about this subject. That I'm sure many of us, or couples, anyways, are thinking of. So, when couples really stress around money, or when they fight around money, in your opinion, like is it really about the money?
0: No, it's not about the money. <laughs> next question. <laughs> yeah, next much, question. <laughs> much deeper issues that I think we should explore.
2: Okay, can you tell us a, an example of something that's happened in your life or maybe a blog reader or a podcast listener around that?
0: Yeah, I would I would say let you know, we're all about personal nature on this on this on this show, so I'm going to I'm going to try to go personal. Um, <clears throat> yeah, for for me and my wife, uh, we have very different money mindsets, we'll say. I I grew up as a saver. I get kind of geeked about being a saver. And she is a self-proclaimed you know, spender. She likes to enjoy life. And she also brings me along for the joy. And that's actually a good balance that we have. A lot of the time, you know, when it comes up to anything that we want to do in life, it surrounds money, right? And money surrounding it. So we have to have, and we do have very in-depth conversations about what it's about. So, you know, for example, if I come home and, She wants to purchase something that's a little bit out of our price range or something that we haven't talked about. To me, right away, my feelings are of she's attacking my ability to save or for us to plan for our future. That's my initial reaction. And then when I come home and I say, Hey, I think it would be great if we max out our Roth IRAs, she hears, You're taking money away from my joy. So it's sort of that surface level what you hear, but then if you dive a little bit deeper, you can find about you can find out about the motivation from both sides. That's something that we constantly work on together as a couple over the past eight years of our marriage. And it's a it's a daily practice for us.
1: What does that daily practice look like? So when you have these differing points of views and you hear You know, at this point you recognize, right? So when she says, I want to spend money on this experience or this thing, you're able to recognize kind of your own stuff in that. And it sounds like vice versa. Um, But how do you engage in that conversation to make sure that like you both are hearing each other and that you can create that space so you can get out of that initial trigger where you jump into just this like, oh, here's this person getting into their pattern again.
0: Well, a main thing, um, a major thing that we do is really, if any of those major conversations come up um, about money, we set aside time for each other to have those conversations. No distractions, phones off. It's not in passing. I've done this bad. It's been bad, Garrett. I do it in passing. Like, (laughs) hey, I think we should... What, whatever, whatever. My crazy. Let's pay off the mortgage. You know, do that in <laughs> passing. That's a great idea.
1: And uh, anything else from the store? No, you good? All right, cool. yeah, good,
0: Exactly. <laughs> so you set aside time, or at least what what we what we do when we're doing it right is we set aside time. We turn off the phones. I, I, I literally ask permission, and she does the same for me. Do you have time right now to have a serious conversation about money? Because in passing, it's, a, it's turned out very bad for me. And also, as a parent, it's very important to let our kids know when we're talking. It's very important to let us have those conversations. And when they're six and four, they're not always listening because they want your attention all of the time. And that's okay. I love it. I love their attention. (laughs) But having important conversations with your spouse um, and having the time to do them is more important than your relationship with your children, in in my opinion. You need to have a solid foundation in your marriage in order to be a good parent. And that's what we're trying to teach our kids, that mom and dad need to talk. And when we're talking, you need to allow that to happen. So those are some of the things that we try to do.
2: That's really great. It's, it's all really about setting a message that you're making each other and the time together a priority. That's what it sounds like. And, yes. and it also sounds like you're modeling that to your children as well. And so that when they, maybe maybe they want to discuss about their allowances someday and they're like, mom and dad, leave us alone for 10 minutes while we have a discussion, you know, something like that. I'm totally making it up right <laughs> now, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, no, I, you're right, Sarah. I'm, I'm hoping that they see that it's important for mom and dad to have a great relationship, good communication together so that we can be our best parents to them. You know, essentially putting our marriage oxygen mask on first before we, before we spend time and uh, try to be the best parents we can be. Cause we're not, we, we don't the opposite. We, we, we just focus on them and they're everything in our, in our little world and we got to make sure that they get to all their activities and we got to make sure that they've eaten the right thing. And, and then we don't care for ourselves and we don't care for our marriage, and then it explodes, and it's no good for anybody.
2: I uh, wholeheartedly agree. I've been there, done that. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm like, it's also important for me to like, I don't wanna say run away, but to have time for myself as well. Well, that's what happens.
0: You wanna run away, right? When it gets real bad, you're like, ah, I need to get out of here. So trying to go back to where it all came from, the center of it, you you need to care for yourself as Sarah, you need to care for yourself, uh, your marriage. As, as Sarah and spouse, that I don't know your spouse's name. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Laird. <laughs> Laird. So,
0: so Sarah and Laird, and then you focus on being a good parent. I don't know. I I've, I feel like that's that's where I've gone wrong, and that's why I feel like I'm talking about it today. Is that? you know when i became a parent i said i'm going to do everything to be the best dad i can be i'm going to be there all the time and focus all of my attention on on them and then you get to a point where you're saying well it's also really good for me to do right by myself and do right by my marriage that way i can be the best parent i can be
1: I'm taking notes over here as the single person in the group. I'm like, ah, right. Relationship goals. Here we go. That's important to think about. Well, you know, and you talk about how you and your wife are engaging in this now, and you've been married for eight or so years. Mm-hmm. But I know that you guys each had some debt that you brought to the table before you were married or when you were dating. And so when you were early on in the relationship and you're kind of figuring out who the other person is and these things that you don't know, didn't know about each other then that you do now... What was the entry point into these conversations about money and how did you start bringing that up to, to the table when the relationship was still fairly new?
0: Well, I'll give you all those good, bad examples that I, that <laughs> I did in the beginning, Garrett. I, um, I get really geeked about things. You know, I'll, I'll read a book or I'll listen to a podcast or something and then it'll be like, that's it. Whatever that person said is the gospel and I'm going to do all of it. So I, um, a great example, we got married And I read this great book called The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And it was just earth shattering for me. And I said, we're going to do all this. So I came up to my wife, you know, didn't ask if she was available, you know, (laughs) that good stuff that we talked about (laughs) at the beginning and said, hey, honey, I read this book and we're going to become debt free. First things first, you need to sell your car. And uh, the, the silence that we just had there was pretty much the silence she gave me, as lo- along with a nasty look. <laughs> so after I reassessed myself and maybe realized where I went wrong, because I, I went back, to, I thought about it. She was upset with me, and I said, "Well, you know, she, she, maybe she maybe she needs to read the book, you know, and then 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 she'll be on board with me." So I'll just give her the book. Th- that didn't work either. <laughs> she didn't want to read this book about um, you know spending less or me taking away her car. And what I really what 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 I really needed at that point was some self um, reflection and some some internally looking inside a little bit you know thinking less in terms of the things that I wanted and more of the things that she wanted so I thought about it for a little while and said, well, a lot of the conversations we've been having are about the future and about our children and about what she wants to be as a mother and she had some desires she liked her career but she didn't like it enough to when she had kids, she would like to have stayed home with them. So I said, maybe that's it. You know, I, I thought about that and said, okay, well, I can get what I want by becoming debt-free and, you know, living this great fugal life. And then she can get what she wants by making a plan to become a stay-at-home mom in the future. And so that became my next approach. Hey, honey, how would it, how would it feel to be able to you know, stay at home with the kids once they come into our world. And that was the conversation she was ready to have. Not get rid of your car.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I really appreciate that example because something I I get very preachy about. Okay, I'll admit it. Is when couples really want to start talking about money is Maybe they should start with the life goals or the things they want to achieve instead of just talking about money. Because you never know what the other person is thinking or what they grew up with, their money scripts, things like that, right? And so how my husband and I are approaching right now, we're considering home ownership. And so it's not about... It's not really about, okay, how much can we afford? How much do we want to spend? It's now we're think actually thinking about the location first and we're considering all of our life plans or goals. And then now we're finally starting talking about, okay, like, do we want the 20% down payment? All of that. I think it's very sexy stuff, but the unsexy mortgage kind of, right. That's why
1: we're talking right here. For some people, it's
2: very unsexy to talk about, you know, an FHA loan and all of that. But for me, I'm like, yes, I cannot wait to start talking to her. Sarah, stop it. I'm
1: getting way too flustered over here. Way too hot. Please pump the brakes a little bit. Okay, thanks. What I loved about your answer to Andy is it answered um, the first question that we posed to you, which is, you know, when people fight and stress about money, is it about the money? And it's like, No. And the way that you brought it up just shows that it was kind of an attack on her way of being and also not addressing what her wants, goals, values, and priorities are. And so one of the questions that we had, which actually I was just looking at, is like, oh, how have you been able to accomplish ambitious goals as a couple? Like, You guys paid off almost 50 grand in a year of consumer debt. Then I think you also paid off your house In less than five years, you've been able to save $700,000 or so in seven years. And so, you know, I think you started answering that question. But when you're tackling really, really big goals like that, what are the most important things that you've learned in your relationship with your wife that you could kind of share with the listeners of how to go about tackling and enrolling the other person or enrolling each other in such big and ambitious goals?
0: I think, uh, Garrett, that's a great question. And I think you and Sarah, uh, we might have touched on this a little bit earlier in our conversation. It's getting deeper. And I love that's why you guys doing this on the show, because um, it's not just, you know, the goal itself, it goes deeper into the person's, you know, most psyche or how they, how they grew up. Right. So for, for Nicole, you know, she didn't grow up with a nice house and she didn't grow up with, um, you know, in a, in a fancy neighborhood or anything like that. So for her, that was kind of always a thing that she really wanted. So when I didn't want to get a big house or I didn't want to, you know, do the nice things, she she took that as sort of an attack on on her personally or on her personal goals. So. I think the answer to your question is to get a little deeper with your spouse, uh, if you're going to be working with your spouse, on the true motivations that they have in life, the life goals, like you talked about. Um, What are they? Not just your personal life goals. It's good to have those as well. Uh, You know, maybe centering on what your personal life goals are first, and then asking your spouse to do the same thing, go through that same exercise. What are our goals? What What are we... What are we trying to do as a married couple? What is our goal? Are we just floating through life or are we trying to move towards something? And what is that for you? What is that for me? And then where is the place that we can intersect and find out a goal that we can work on together. And how can we both achieve our goals? It's it's possible. It just takes a lot of conversation. And some people don't want to don't want to do that hard work of the communication, but that's really where it comes from. That's where the real big success is when you're able to connect like that and really talk about the future. So that's when we've been able to do some exciting things in our relationship, you know, paying off the debt, paying off the mortgage, it's when we had that intersection point in the beginning to said Hey, this works well for me. This works well for you. How can we do this together? You um, know, the mortgage is a great example. Uh, she, we, we were living in my thousand square foot bungalow. Uh, you know, tiny little bachelor pad out of college that I had. I thought it was great, but when she moved in with me, she said, "Okay, well, let me first clean this place up. <laughs> and then uh, after we clean it up." we're going to be looking for a real adult house. And I, you know, for me, I always thought about the numbers and like, I don't really need that big of a house. So for me, it was always like, all right, she's, she's pulling on my saver mentality. And then for, when I said no, it was for her, she was saying, well, he's, he's trying to hold me back on my dreams. So I said, okay, let's, let's make a deal here. We'll go for the big house. If you commit to me that we'll pay off this mortgage in five years. And that became our intersection point of, okay, you'll get the big house and then I'll get to be frugal Joe here and make sure that our family's moving forward and, you know, not living strapped life. So that's what we did. And we, we made that commitment and, um, we, we worked together, you know, every month looking at the numbers, much to her chagrin. And, uh, but she got the great house and I got the the debt-free life. That's kind of how it worked.
2: Do you have a theory on why couples, or maybe one part of one half, one part <laughs> of a couple, wouldn't want to do that deep work or or really have those conversations with with their other partner?
0: I would say maybe how you were brought up um, has a little bit to do with it. Maybe that's not something that uh, your parents uh, uh, did very much. Had a lot of communication. It was just a lot of action. Yeah, outside of that, maybe bit maybe a bit of fear uh, of, sh- of sharing your internal goals, dreams, your fears, things like that, because it's very vulnerable to do that. Talking about money and your goals and your life and all the things that break down, it's very intense and it's very personal. So I think maybe it's a little bit of fear, unfamiliarity with with the situation. I guess that'd be my guess.
1: And I think you hit on something really important there too, is if it isn't modeled for you by your parents or in your family dynamic, then you aren't going to know how to engage in those types of conversations. So if you had never had it modeled of, oh, when I have some feeling coming up around what it is that I want, that then I need to set an established time with this person or it sounds like that was something that you learned, but like to even know how to communicate what it is that you want, if you don't know that or you don't ha- didn't have it modeled of how to be comfortable in that vulnerability, then yeah, that's really really tough then to to do something that you've never seen done. And why I think, again, that point of what you said of how you're trying to do this in a way that models what you think is right for your children is really, really important so that they then have access to those tools as they're growing up and once they get in there own relationships that they can point to this and say, oh, right, I saw how it was done well most of the time. And maybe I would learn from this way that it was not done so well. But just to give them that exposure, I think is super important. So that was great that you brought that up.
0: Oh, thank you. I, I I, think we're singing off the same song sheet. And I would say that the two of you, based on this format you guys have developed with the show, I might guess that you grew up in a, in a, in a family that was open and honest about money. Am I wrong?
2: I'm shaking my head like hell no. <laughs> <laughs> this so is
0: why theory. they say that assumptions <laughs> yes. thing.
1: That whole assumptions <laughs> thing, you know what it
0: means. I- well, okay. So if that wasn't the case, then what did you do in order to change that in your life? Because obviously, this this whole format, the thing that we're doing right now, is a very open and honest format to share our feelings about not m- money, not just the victories and the, the 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 you know the pitfalls.
2: Yeah, I'll. I can. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to interpret what I think my parents did or didn't do but how I sort of I guess what I learned is that whatever they didn't do created some of the issues in the relationship and and some of the financial issues and challenges that I had growing up and so when I first of all I said I would never get married or have kids that clearly didn't happen (laughs) so when when I go oh wait I now have a a kid and a husband. what do I do? No I'm kidding? Um, so anyways, when that happened, I really remembered my firm kind of conviction that I didn't want to make those same mistakes that I that I saw my parents do. And so I, I worked extremely hard on myself and how I viewed money and work and my relationship with finances. And I brought those concerns to my husband. I said, listen, this is how I grew up. This is what I think about money. I have this weird work ethic. I really just need you to understand this is where I'm coming in from. And so then he shared how he grew up with money. And so that really helped because as I was going through stuff, as I was really just kind of untangling a lot of these hangups I had, he knew that I had these hangups. And so we worked through them together.
0: And that happened early on in your relationship.
2: Yeah, and we were it was funny. This was even before we dated. We talked about about money a lot. And it was and maybe this is how I knew I was going to marry him. I don't know. He might argue otherwise. But I remember having this conversation about debt and we both had a a little bit of student loan debt left. And we both agreed that if we were to ever marry somebody, we would both want to be debt free before we actually got married. And so that actually happened.
0: Nice, and then and then Garrett, as you're searching for Mrs. Wright, is that is that a something that you are looking for as well, a, a debt-free relationship?
1: God, this is probably why I'm not in a committed long-term relationship. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I haven't thought of that. <laughs> right. I- I don't know if that will be as important. I think just the the communication and understanding that um, we have the ability to share what it is that we feel, that we can give each other the space to share openly and honestly um, what's coming up for each of us, so that it, it it isn't as much that it has to be said right or that it has to that they have to come with some kind of condition, right? Debt free, etc. At least this is how I you know, again, envision it going, what could happen in reality could be a complete shit show compared to that. But how I would like to see it happening in in some perfect world is just, you know, communication is key. And so even if it's, if I say something and it doesn't agree with what future misses thinks or wants, then at least that allows us, I've honored what I wanted by putting it out there. And then she can say, oh, okay, well, interesting and here's where i'm coming from and how can we both better understand why it is what it, you know why we want what we want and then like you said see where that intersection is Um, because yeah we don't have to think the same thing and i think that is actually kind of bad potentially like you don't just need to have someone who thinks like you just to make it easy but in order to overcome differences and i think this is why we're seeing a lot of um not to get into politics, right? Oh, here, there. we're going to go down go that road.
0: Bring it on. <laughs> because it's not about
1: the politics. It's just people screaming at each other. I mm. think that, that doesn't work. And mm-hmm. so to have a level of just communication, to be able to be willing to hear the other person is what's most important. Um, so no specific conditions like you have to be debt free or you have to be able to qualify for 13.49% APR on your credit cards in <laughs> order to start dating uh, Mr. Right over here. Um, but yeah, communication um, being really important. And I had it modeled from my family of pretty good financial habits, frugality, um, had an allowance when I was younger. And really conversations about money were out there in the open, which is really great. Um, but on another level, like communication around what it is we were truly feeling and sharing that within the family wasn't very present. So things were always like good and great, but when it came time to where we should have addressed things that were going on and really like dug into the shit, that wasn't modeled super well. So it's interesting to see how I can be very good at kind of like you being frugal and being able to work diligently towards goals, but then... Being, um, and partly this podcast is helping as well, is just to say, you know, what is how to have these conversations and how to um, learn from other people about asking for what you need and want and sharing openly and honestly and learning um, through sometimes doing it well and sometimes not just how to engage in those conversations.
0: I think that's great. I think the more communication that we can have, uh, marriage or externally, uh, without just action, you know, uh, you know, boiling it down to some important communication points before us making some big decisions uh, around our entire country. I think that could be good for everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, without- Beyond the dollar, literally beyond money, just beyond yeah, sure, everything, you know, beyond literally everything. We're just going for the whole world right now. How, how to change the world. That's what a uh, hashtag beyond the dollar is all about.
2: That's awesome. What I'm getting from both what both you and Andy and Garrett said too, is that having that sense of responsibility of what you say or put out into the world and also a sense of responsibility of I don't say how other people feel but maybe acknowledging that what you are saying will alter somebody's feelings or emotions and so I think whether you're single or even in a relationship that's really I think important to have and what do you guys think about that
1: you want to go, Andy? Are uh,
2: you- yeah, sure.
0: I, I was just saying. I was thinking the you know getting beyond the surface level conversation is great. You know, uh, diving a little deeper. You know, I, I was thinking. Um, I'm picturing myself in Garrett's shoes. You know, when Nicole and I got together, we got we got married real fast. You know, I I saw a beautiful girl in California, and I had been dating a lot of not so great relationships before that, and I was I was in love right away. So I I fell in love with the, the passion that we had together and the excitement and traveling back and forth from Michigan to California. It was just all really romantic. And as soon as I got her to move back home to Michigan right away, I bought the ring uh, with my student loans. Bad idea, by the way, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, but my, my thought on all this is that we moved forward so quickly in the love and the relationship and the engagement. And then we got married and I feel like we missed some opportunities to have some of those deeper conversations that we had after we got married. And that's, it, it all worked out great. I, we're, we're in love, we're eight years in and we've, you know, a lot of trial and error, but we're, we're great. But I feel like, um, like you're talking about Garrett, I think there's a great opportunity to dive a little bit deeper with people early on. Um, cause it's really easy to go straight from the, you know, right to the romantic lust sex stage right away because it's easy, you know, but you got to, you got to dive deeper, <laughs> yeah. right? You got to dive deeper and, and really find out what's underneath.
1: Yeah. I hear this whole till death do us part thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, no joke. You're committing to your, yourself to 60, whatever, 70 years. It's like, it's like a job, right? You'd ask a lot of questions before you'd take a job, right? So let's ask, let's ask lots of
1: questions. I do, right? Uh, I just love where these conversations go. That's it. That's, that's all I have to say on that. Sarah, you look like you had something to say.
2: I was oh. just about to, I, I was trying to make it a little bit more serious, but that's just clearly not happening. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry.
2: <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to just blame everything on Garrett because that's what I do anyway. So Fair enough. <laughs> I was going to say, if any of our listeners now, maybe they just got engaged, maybe they're in a serious relationship about to propose or they expect to be proposed to what would you say would be the types of questions that that they, sh- I don't want to say they should, but they could mm-hmm. have before they actually tie the knot?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we joked a little bit about, you know, the, the debt and things like that. It's just good to be informed, I think, of what you're getting into before you say yes. So questions like, do you have debt and what is it? It's good to know what you're inheriting. It doesn't mean you have to choose your spouse based on how much debt they have. And based on the amount of people coming out of school with student loans and everything like that, you're probably going to find somebody with debt. So, But it's just good to know what you are going to be inheriting. Because whatever their debt is, it's going to be yours soon. Um, understanding what their income is. It's good to know what you're getting into there. Um, you know Their thoughts and feelings on important topics like with regard to family, like, do you want to have kids? If so, how many? You know, what if we have complications when we're trying to have kids? Would you be into adoption? Would you be into IVF? Things like that are really important. Do you want to loan? What's your feeling on loaning your family money? You know, some of those things that merit, you know, the marriage, family, money, loaning dynamic. Ooh, you got to know that stuff beforehand, because you might be getting into a relationship where your spouse has always bailed out your future brother-in-law and you're going to be inheriting that situation you know so
2: some of the things like that might be helpful <laughs> just might be helpful <laughs>
0: <laughs> didn't mean to freak
2: you out <laughs> i was like oh my gosh no, i was thinking i was thinking about the conversations that i had yeah. before and um it was funny after i actually after my husband proposed and i said yes I remember thinking, like, what's the one thing that made you decide that you, you know, like, you really wanted to marry me? And he actually said, it's because I trust you with my money. And I was like, oh. So to me, that was like, that was the most romantic thing anybody could ever say to me. It's like. Nerd. Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) But That's a badge of pride here, Sarah.
2: But I, I will say that that predicted I I guess you can say our marriage and it is eight years and going strong as well and anytime we've hit a roadblock anytime there have been issues like loaning family and friends money or now we're going to move to another country we're going to move across three states we've always had those conversations we were never afraid to talk about money because we we were willing to disagree if we needed to but we also agreed a lot as well
0: but you know, you can you can unpack that compliment that he gave you that we all laughed about right there that you're really good with money. You know, ha ha ha. But what he's also saying is that I trust you, I trust your decisions. You're a you're a very smart person with you know a good head on their shoulders, and I feel I feel safe with you. That's cool, man. That's that's a major compliment, and we all take it as like money nerd. It is true because we're all we're all money nerds. We we love it. But <laughs> right, that that's a big deal. That means loved you he trusted you and you're taking care of him
2: i'm gonna like i'm actually gonna after this recording I'm gonna go thank you husband for saying that <laughs> eight <laughs> years ago or nine years ago whatever <laughs> but it's it's true and i think Garrett and i talk about this almost in every single episode is that your financial situation is really just a symptom of what's going on in your life right and so when you are fighting about money or when you do have financial issues in a, in a marriage or a relationship it's really a symptom of something greater
1: yeah and so in the same way where we did laugh about that, right? And focus on the money part. I love that you brought that up, Andy. It was just like, no, actually, let's step back and acknowledge what that really was. That was I trust you. And because we spend our money, whether consciously or subconsciously, in a way that's in alignment with like our goals, values and priorities. You're right. That was his way of saying like I trust you just overall. So, thanks for pointing that out because I think it is important to to have um, some lightness and to be able to laugh at this, but also be really, really clear about what he was saying and what that meant,
2: yeah. And if you're going to be with somebody for what the sixty plus years or whatever you guys said earlier, I mean, you better damn well be able to trust that person, right? I mean, as you're aging, as heaven forbid, you know you have a medical crisis, so you you want to be able to rely on that person or trust that person to help you through it, right? and And really speaking of relying on somebody else, let's say, you're in a marriage without kids versus a marriage with kids. How how do those money conversations differ then when you do have dependents versus when you don't?
0: Um, well, if I had to think about us, we a lot of our plans, a lot of our family life plans uh, surround us being parents. You know, um, when I think about exciting things like financial independence or... You know, just building a legacy for our family that will live on for generations. A lot of the, a lot of my personal goals, um, you know, are surrounding the fact that I have a couple kids that I'm excited about, that I love, that I want to um, have a great life. So if we didn't have kids, I don't think that really needs to change um, much. Maybe maybe the goals shift, obviously the priorities shift, but it's still great to have personal goals for what you want to do in life. You know, what's going to be your driving force to make you excited to take care of your finances or to grow your wealth or to build your net worth? Is it to be a really philanthropic person that makes a change in the world based on your action and your money? That's cool. That's exciting. You don't need kids for that. You know, <laughs> you, you, you just got to adjust uh, based on, you know, what, what you're interested in life. That's, that's kind of what came up to my mind right now.
1: And do you feel like you've gotten more, what I heard in Sarah's question is like, did you get more conservative? Is that where you were coming from, Sarah? Like, has it changed how you make decisions or the way that you approach them now that you have other people relying on you? Does that kind of change the calculus? Was that what you were saying, Sarah? Or am I making that up?
2: Sure. (laughs) I know from personal experience, I, as soon as I knew I was going to become a mother, my thoughts changed so much more. Like, like, I mean, before my husband, yeah, we talk about the future, but it wasn't really, I wouldn't say anything more than maybe five years ahead. And now that I have this little one to to really take care of, I feel like I have to think about, oh, my gosh, what if he goes to college? What if he doesn't? That's like 10 plus years. Right. And so I I did become a slight worrywart. I had to really manage that. (laughs) But yeah, like the shift in thinking to me changed. And so I guess I was just curious about Andy and what his experience has been like.
0: Yeah, I think um, when we saw the positive sign on the pregnancy test, I think that was kind of a, you know, an earth shocker. We used to <clears throat> go, you know, live for the day a little bit more, go out to concerts, go out to drinks and, you know, have fun with our friends, fancy dinners, things like that. We were making, you know, good money together combined, you know, maybe a little, just a little over six figures, just having some fun. And yeah, we were, we were doing a little bit of saving, but not really, you know, and uh, when the kids were the, or the thought of the kids started to come in the picture or when it, then it was physically scientifically confirmed that kids were coming into the picture yeah you kind of jolt into action man i got a lot to do a lot of things and that's where you know again I, I go i get excited i read the books i get overboard we need to start a 529 the day they're born you know and she's <laughs> like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's step back let's have the conversation let's talk about how this works for both of us and we can still get everything that we want so yeah no i I got kind of jacked up when the kids came to the picture.
2: Sorry, I'm just I'm just imagining this like five two nine because I was doing that myself.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, you know, it's it's you know some some people like my wife and we've talked about this a lot. This is not me talking bad about her. She, she we were just talking about before I got on the show. We're just different like that, and that's okay. She helps me to be more fun, and I love that about her. She helps me to live for today, and uh, that's why I love the balance that we have. It's sometimes nerve wracking, but if you come back to it. You take a step back and you realize the motivation that people have, that your spouse has, then you can see the positive side of it.
1: I think the biggest takeaway for me has been you don't, and we mentioned this halfway through, but you don't have to agree. And actually, in your case, it's better that you guys are really different because you balance out some of her and she balances out the parts of you that if left to their own devices, would just go completely overboard, maybe be like a completely frugal Frank and boring as all hell and never let loose. Not that that's completely how it would be, but she helps you live life in a way that you really enjoy. And so you're able to find those pieces of each other through the communication and just being willing to have those conversations and hold the space for the other person to share what it is they truly care about, like who they are from an odd judgmental place, like not saying, Oh, you're a spender. Oh my gosh, you're going to do this. Like you guys don't, you don't let um, yourself get into a story about the other person. You you give them space, you listen to what it is they have to say and really acknowledge what it is that they bring to you and what they, um, how your wife allows you to like be a better version of who you are. So that was the, what I took away from that last part. And I think it's really, really cool to hear that. So, thanks for sharing and being so open and honest, and and um, willing to share your own experience on this. We really appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you for creating this platform, man. It's a it's a great way to it's a great way to speak about money and relationships.
2: And I was gonna say hashtag relationship goals, everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again, I'm just gonna re-listen to this and take
1: all the notes in the world. So, thank you, Sarah and Andy, for <laughs> sharing. And uh, yeah, I'm just really glad to have you on, Sarah. Any final parting words?
2: Well, we do. I'll, I'll let Andy do this. Maybe he'll be the best one to do it is we always end the show with a parting question so that Mm -hmm. our listeners can take action on one piece of what we've done. And so if there is a one tip that you want somebody to implement today, what would it be?
0: So I'm leaving them with a question or a tip? Yes. You're leaving them with a question or a tip. Okay. What is your spouse's life goal? What are your spouse's dreams for life? If you don't know, it'll make a great date night.
1: Mic drop. That's it, everybody. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Enjoy. We're done. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Dollar. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. And if you can think of one awesome human who would connect with what we talked about today, we'd love you forever if you shared this episode with them. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar.